He tells stories so grand of this vast, timeless land, and they call it Sunday with Macca. Good morning, Macca. Glenn Blackwell standing in the main street of Walgett in the phone booth out in front of IGA. It's like a ghost town, I will say. Totally cut off. The flood water, you know, we're, we're the meeting place of the Namoy and the Barwon. I go under the bridge every morning photographing the measurement on the staunchions, and she's just touching the bottom of the big cement things that go across the bridge. The river dried up twice, Macca. We're on the highway. The, you think you're way out west, but I bought a house here, thanks to Kevin Rudd, who came to Walgett also. I'm on the corner, well, just about, you know, you can drive from Perth to Brisbane and you've got to go through Walgett. And at the moment, there's no trucks, no anything. All there is is helicopters and planes. You know, there's that many properties that are isolated. And I mean, you know, you look at the map and it's just like a suburb, the amount of house, station houses that are actually through the bush. I'd love to talk to you about my frogs. I've had frogs forever. You know, it's like, and my chooks. Everything like that just teaches you about life. That's why I love it here, you know. Uh, having my chooks and you feed them. I'm 63, but I make all the motorbike tracks and ride them. Mm. And where I make the tracks, I collect all the antique bottles I find. Oh, hundreds of little ones and everything. And Walgett now is just lined with all the historic old photos. And when you look at the people, I can picture them using these old bottles and everything. You know, it's unreal. That Australians all know, if you're rich or you ain't got a cracker. They tell stories so grand of this vast, timeless land, and they call it Sunday with Macca. They all call it Sunday with Macca. Yeah, they all call it Sunday with Macca. Get on with it, Macca. So that was Glenn last week, and I found him so uplifting. Wasn't he a nice fella? Listen, I've been on the road a little bit on the road. Come and meet Ralph. I'm at the Yas truck stop with a huge, well, a huge truck. I've never seen a truck that big, really, big, that high. And something on the back, I don't know what it is. What's your name? Ralph. How are you, Ralph? Good, myself. Yeah, what's this deal here? This is a wind farm trailer. So what happens is it, it spreads wide and it spreads long and um, fits ta- uh, windmill towers on it. So the tower goes in that long... As you can see, they've got the cradles in there where it sits, it sits inside. And, um, yeah... We bring them down. So what's your story, Ralph? How long have you been driving? For about 25 years. And where's home for you? Newcastle. You've been pretty busy with this wind farm that's out yeah. the road. Yeah, we started three weeks ago, so we flat out. So and how long will that go for, do you reckon? Well, the six, six turbines, so probably about 40 weeks. Is this your rig, this whole thing? or? No, no, company. So I suppose there'll be a lot more work around the place? Yeah, no, there's plenty of work available. Yeah. Doesn't matter what state you're in. And what sort of a truck, or what sort of a rig's this? That's a Volvo big cab. And the big cab just explains it all. Yeah, it's got a bigger, bigger bunk in it, bigger bed for him. Bigger bloke, that's why. <laughs> it's Ralph, isn't it? Yeah, mate, yeah. All right, Ralph. So, life on the road's okay? Not too bad, just except for the potholes on the road, mate. They're terrible at the moment, all around the state. It's going to get worse, I think. If they don't get fixed, they will be. There's going to be a bad accident one day. All right, Ralphie, good on you, mate. Nice to talk to you. You too, bud. Uh, good morning and welcome. 1300 700 222, that's our number. Speaking of potholes, Anthony has uh, emailed, says we were talking about potholes and standards and things. I was talking to a, an engineer the other day about standards and road construction and he said uh, that sometimes the bean counters get in the way and they spend less and less money on things they 
they shouldn't should always put money into same with railways apparently uh, Anthony says you're sort of right but not completely road construction standards like that stipulated for the Hume and Pacific highways need to be replicated more throughout the country rural road standards are pathetically poor the Newell Highway needs to be upgraded to Hume stroke Pacific Highway standards. Reconstructed sections only last a few years. I'm driving to the Gold Coast to Adelaide every few weeks and now go via Sydney and Melbourne as flooding and potholes make inland too torturous. Remember the bloke who told me, uh, I, where was, I think he was in Mackay, he said roads in Australia are either under under construction or under repair. But as Jeff said a little while ago, Jeff from Kuma, he's an engineer, we have so many roads in Australia. It's a big country. Roads are stretching everywhere. You just, you know, you just there's not enough money to to do that. I mean, that's that's the biggest investment we have in Australia is in roads. You think about it. The biggest investment we have in any infrastructure are the roads and they go everywhere. They snake across the country, you know, 4,000 k's across to Perth and back and up north and back. So there's just not enough money to do that. And when you get a an event like we've had over the last six months, um, it puts everything under stress. Our number is 1,300, 700, wherever you are. As I said, I went, uh, I went down to... Uh, Canberra the other day, there was a a showcase. ABC met uh, the people of Parliament House, not just politicians, but uh, people who work for them, staff and things like that. So, and they showed a little, um, few speeches and bits and pieces from the minister, uh, Minister Rowland, and uh, our boss made a speech, uh, David Anderson, and they just got together and talked to one another. Um, I didn't see that many, I don't know, that many from the conservative side of po- politics. Barnaby was there. Um, the uh, the independents were all there. Independents and Greens were there, many of them. And a lot of staff, which was good. I think the staff liked to get out <laughs> and meet people from, well, certainly outside Parliament House. It's a big place, Parliament House, and beautiful, you know, and you see a... You see a seat there out of lovely Australian wood and it says, it's got a little sign on it, um, which says uh, Jarrah, uh, Sydney Bluegum. Um, and all the lovely granite from, I assume it's from Yagara. Uh, just, it's a fabulous building, isn't it? It's almost <laughs> like it's just this building with rooms and they use it all the time and people do tours and things like that, but... You can have a great party, <laughs> and I'm sure they do have great parties in there. Um, anyway, our number this morning is 1300 700 uh, G'day, this is Macca. Hello. 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 Yep. Patrick here. Hello, Patrick. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. That's good. Tell me a story. Yeah, well, there's a, I've been listening this morning. I'm uh, driving around in Tasmania with... Different from the big country drivers you're talking to a lot. I drive my Uber now and again. I'm doing a bit of that this morning. Mm-hmm. But I hear a lot of chat about the, the roads and the potholes and the standards of roads. Mm. And that's uh, becoming a real, real big issue down here in Tasmania at the moment. Uh-huh. Tell me. Uh, and the real thing is, Mike, uh, uh, our uh, road serious accidents and fatalities have 
began to rocket up in recent years. And I think already uh, we have something like 60% more fatalities than we were for the same uh, year last year. And wow. uh, I, I've been very, very concerned about the roads. Uh, I mean, I've been driving, a, I was driving a taxi for five years. I'm a retired engineer now, by the way. Uh, but getting to know them. And uh, I, I've actually seen the, the overall roads in Tasmania improving. And I'm actually becoming very concerned that the improvement in our roads are actually contributing to our accidents. Tell me. And, and one of the reasons for that is we, don't, we have had a number of accidents here. This doesn't make up the huge number. But where visitors come across, whether you're coming from overseas or you're coming from uh, the North Island over there, and they come down here and they're used to uh, motorway, motorways. We don't have a single motorway down here in Tasmania. The better roads, we simply refer to them as highways. Hmm. So we don't have anything remotely resembling uh, what I would call a motorway standard in the context of what we have in the big European countries. A motorway is very distinct from a standard highway. Sure. There's all sorts of standards. But an awful lot of our roads, especially the newer bypasses and where they're doing things like that, they're beginning to look and feel like motorways. And people begin to, I think there's a mindset I'm now on this big safe road, which those are. And and when, I'll give a small example of that, Marka. Uh, when when we're driving along here, our speed limit here on the most of our highways is 110 kilometers an hour. Mm-hmm. That's the same speed as the UK motorways maximum speed. Okay. Yeah. But in the UK uh, motorways, for instance, you're not allowed to have uh, bicycles on it. You're not allowed to have tractors. You can't have T-junctions. You can't have U-bends. We've actually got very specific U-bend zones in our roads that's designated 110 kilometers an hour without any slowing down of the traffic for those things. And these roads, if you go back uh, 20, 30 years ago, I've been here for 20 years now, but if you go back in time, it was always 110 kilometers an hour, but the roads looked like what they were, if you know what I mean. If you drove 110, you knew when to slow down, you were careful. But now I'm really concerned that people are getting into a mindset with the safe cars and what looks to be a big dual carriageway road looks like a motorway. And hence, there's this blind, put the foot, the foot down and just go 110 or a bit more. Yeah, and there I'm, you go. Well, that's a good point, Patrick, good point. And how long have you been driving for, Patrick? Well, I mean, uh, I mean, I'm six or seven year old driving. Uh, I've driven all around the world where I've where I've lived in different parts of the world. Mm-hmm. But uh, driving taxis down here in uh, uh, Tasmania since I retired—that was about six years ago—I've given that up, and I now drive an Uber. But basically, I've had a lot of experience driving uh, a little bit in India. But I've, where I've lived around the world, I've tended to to drive. And we often hear people complain about the standards of the roads. But I, and that's what I'm trying to put a paper together. I'm trying to get it to an RAC or somewhere where I can start bring, highlighting this particular aspect of what I'm talking about. And by the way, the other the other thing can I just mention as well? This is very important for mm. people coming from overseas down here. Uh, they come onto uh, these um, uh, dual lane roads. You know that we've got a lot of a lot more of now than we used to have. Uh, and then you go onto one of the newer sections, which is just a single carriageway each way. But it actually looks like you're on, um, you know, a dual highway, you know, two carriages. And the number of times that we've had people basically going uh, on the wrong side of the road, and I'm convinced (laughs) a lot of that's because they think they're on a, again, they're on a motorway or a two-lane highway, but they're not. 
because the new rods look like that. They look like well, well, they're all good points to make, Patrick. Patrick, what finds you in uh, Tassie? Oh, I came here uh, more than twenty years ago. I mean, I'm a retired engineer in the power industry, Mark. I think I did spoke to you about six months ago on some other issues, but uh, no, I've lived and worked all around the world, and uh, I plan to come here about. 26 years, 27 years ago, I stopped off in India on my way for what became five years, but I eventually got here and what brought me to Tasmania was the uh, the only thermal power plant they've got here was converted to gas uh, more than 20 years ago. So I came down as the technical manager for that project and eventually became the, the Bell Bay power plant manager for that uh, until again, even all that, that side of things moved on and drifted away. So I uh, ended up uh, moving around. Since I came here, by the way, I lived in Launceston. Interesting enough, I didn't really like Launceston so much when I came here. It reminded me far too much of Scotland. <laughs> um, Patrick, uh, you obviously like like driving. You like meeting people, I suppose, do you? Or what's the story there? Absolutely, Mark. I mean, I'm retired. Like I said, I'm retired now. Uh, I don't have a big social contact here, people here. Uh, it's just the way myself and where I've lived. But I run a couple of uh, uh, Airbnbs and... I was driving the taxi. I never planned to. I was driving a wheelchair taxi and found just exactly you what you said there, Mark. It's the ability to interact and meet people all the time. Uh, I'm now driving Uber, which fit, fits better in with my uh, uh, Airbnbs and so on, with the casual nature of the whole thing. But to me, I'm retired. Uh, yes, you make money from these things, but it's not about making the money. It's about make, meeting all the, the variation of people, the wonderful people, whether it's local people looking for some local uh, place to stay or whether it's someone coming down in business or we get a lot of visitors coming here from all over Australia and starting again from all over the world. It's, it's just a fantastic way of life when uh, to meet all these different people yeah. and as your way. It's just, it's just wonderful. People are interesting, aren't they, Patrick? Good on you. Nice to, nice to talk to you, Patrick. Keep in touch. Yeah. Bye-bye. Then. See you. Bye. A couple of weeks ago, I read a poem, um, called The Black Swans, which I found in a little book which one of the dear listeners sent me. It's a lovely book. Um, It's called uh, The Swagman's Notebook, and it's a book from another time. But there was a poem in it called The Black Swans by Banjo Patterson, which I happened to look at and read. And then I have this letter which arrived the other day from South Australia from a great friend of the program, and I haven't heard from him for ages. His name's Graham Jenkin. And I'll just read part of what he said because you'd be interested too and I was interested. Uh, Graham Jenkin says, um, I was very pleased to hear you recite last Sunday the banjo's Black Swans. This was one of his rare successful excursions outside the genre of the bush ballad, of which he was the greatest exponent. Black Swans is a beautifully crafted poem and it was a delight to hear it uh, so well read. Your reading prompted me to forward you this little selection of other poems about swans. The, compa- the comparisons are very thought-provoking, and I won't tell you what they were uh, because I'll bring them to you in another time. Um, but they're poems by Mary Gilmore and etc. etc. Graham says, um, and Graham says we could you could do a great segment using these all these poems about black swans. Um, but he said this, um, he said, it's something, oh, sorry, I'm just taking his letters, letters, <laughs> letters are interesting, um, aren't they? And he says, 
three, uh, this is a poem called Three Swans Went By. Explained very clearly and movingly why it is that although the sight and a sound and sound of a flock of swans passing overhead was once quite common. Now, I don't remember that, but there you go. The sight and sound of a huge flock of swans passing overhead was once quite common. It is never seen or heard today. So Mary Gilmore's got a poem. I think Suter's got a poem. Um, Roland's got a poem. And Graham Jenkin is a great uh, songwriter and singer. Uh, we did a concert with him years ago, didn't we, at, uh, in Adelaide, at one of those little concert halls there. It was a lovely time. And uh, But there you go. That's something you don't see every day, but apparently it was quite common to see a big flight of swans overhead and probably in that V formation. I'll just read you a, a section of... I could play the whole thing, I suppose, but Black Swan's poem goes something like this, the Black Swans, just the first verse I'll read. It's banjo singing. As I lie at rest on a patch of clover in the western park when the day is done, I watch as the wild black swans fly over with the phalanx turned to the sinking sun and I hear the clang of their leader crying to a lagging mate in the rearward flying and they fade away in the darkness dying where the stars are mustering one by one. And it's just... See, words take you away and poetry does and, you know, and it's something I miss. I never saw it, but... When he says it used to be quite common sight, you'd hear the sight and the sound, the sight and the sound of a huge phalanx of black swans. Our number, 1300 700 222. G'day, this is Macca. G'day, Macca. It's Danny. How are you? Danny. Danny. Yeah, Danny, the number one T-shirt holder. Oh, <laughs> oh, Danny, how are you, mate? I'm really well, thanks, Macca. Well, I thought I'd get out and about... Um, Got out to the, one of the local um, phone boxes, took a photo. I'm going to send it in to Cal's email for you just to show you off the T-shirt. It fits beautifully. Matthew, oh, you got the size perfect. Oh, you like the T-shirt. So we Love it. it. Love yeah. it. Yeah, it looks really good. Great design. Who designed the T-shirt? Um, well, uh, Michael did, Michael Sherman, but he says, it's, he says his wife, he said actually his wife was the, uh, the main instigator. Michael's a, a graphic designer and does all sorts of bits and pieces, you know. Book covers and album covers and things like that, but um, um, yeah, I, he doesn't do a lot of t-shirts. But um, uh, I gave him the um, the grist and he took it away. So there you go. So you like well, it? He's, he's done a great job, Maka. Um, I'm sort of sitting at a, I'm standing at a phone box here doing the um, mosquito polka this morning. There's wow. a few about. Oh yeah. Um, and I was even looking up a little poem while I was listening to you talking about poems. There's some good little mosquito poems online and I didn't realise it's the female mosquito that, that attacks you, you know um, at the end of the poem there's the last verse goes there's a great proliferation in the mozzie population, it's a constant irritation to us all yes, it's hard to feel affection when she heads in your direction because the little Aussie mozzie is out to get us all and <laughs> that's a poem by Don Spencer um, all right, yeah. and you know, it's a good long poem but I didn't want to bore you to tears with a whole lot of it but there's a lot around but gee, they're out in numbers aren't they at the moment, Macca? Oh, there'll be more too there'll be more too because it's been a bit cold still in places but although it's, getting, it's warming up but the more water there is around and there's a lot around do you think they'll be up in Rochester on the 27th of November when you're up there doing a uh, OB? Yeah, well, probably will be. I'll, probably I'll, will. I'll see you there. Oh, you're coming? Oh, 
Uh, absolutely. I wouldn't miss it for the world. It'll be an early start, yeah. about a two-and-a-half-hour drive. But oh, right. um, what time are you going to get underway up there? Oh, we'll be, we'll be underway about half past five. Uh, yep. Yeah, just normal we'll time. And, and, yeah, hope, hopefully a lot of people come from all over the place. They come from Melbourne like you and around the place because I think the people of uh, Rochester will appreciate that. And, and there's a, uh, there'll be a breakfast on, a cooling breakfast. And, yeah, it'll just be nice and people will have some music and... It'll just be just be good to do it. I hope there's not too much more rain. But uh, no, we're, we're one not... of my colleagues up there at the moment, Macca, is, uh has been up doing the clean up for his family, his, his parents' home up there, and uh, you know it's. It, he's shown me photos and it's got the plaster stripped halfway up the walls and all the the carpets and everything like that cleaned out. Uh, so it's a, it's a big clean up, big job for them. But uh, gee, they've it's been all hands on deck and it's like you've been saying in the past. It it brings everyone together and even the outdoor broadcast bringing people up there to bring a bit of cash into the town. And I'll certainly be bringing whatever I've got to spare to bring up and uh, put into the town and give them a bit of injection. So. Hope everybody does get on board. It's uh, you know a couple of hours away, but it's worth the trip, and uh, we'll all get there. And hopefully, it'll be a lovely, lovely, fine morning <laughs> without any rain. Exactly, and we'll have t-shirts for sale for flood relief. We're going to. That's it's your idea, Danny. This is this is your fault. All of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I'm proud of it, Macca, because I tell you what, it's come up really well, and I'm, I'm sporty. I was going to put it in a frame, but you know what? It's there to be worn, so it's going to be like an old baggy green eventually. It'll be my baggy Macca. <laughs> uh, dear, and the cricket's supposed to be on tonight in in Melbourne, isn't it? Uh, but maybe they'll, I don't yeah, know. I think they've permitting. got a, they can use tomorrow. I think. Uh, weather permitting, it's been a bit of a challenge with the weather lately. Even the um, even the uh, the AFLW last night. Uh, struggled to get ahead with the lightning in uh, South in, in Adelaide, I think it was, yeah. and you know the girls were saying it was one of the most uh, you know uh, exciting games they've played, not because of the level of football, but because of the weather conditions. So it's it's all over the place, isn't it? Yeah, Danny, you're in the phone box this morning. Whereabouts? Uh, it's in Caroline Springs, in the western suburbs in Melbourne. I'm just looking through uh, a fairly low cloud cover with the sun trying to poke its head through. It's clearing up a bit now but uh, and that's good because the mozzies are going for a bit of shade now so they're leaving me alone. But uh, but no, it's, uh, I'm not sure what the temperature is here. It's not too bad actually. It's pretty humid um, for this part of the world. We don't normally get the humidity down here but with all the rain about and, and a little bit of warmth coming in and uh, I tell you the other thing too, it's making the grass grow macker. Oh, oh, stop it. Get the mowers out. Oh yeah. That's the trouble you've got to get them out. It's like he said this morning, I think it was Algie said this morning, he's got three feet grass, three feet of grass. He says, you go down one side and you look at him back across and saw he's started to grow again. The other... Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what it's like, Maka. Yeah. I, I had someone come in and cut the grass the other day because I had my knee operated on. I couldn't get on the, on the mower. Mm. And, um, you know, I went up there a couple of weeks later to look at it and I thought, gee, have they actually done it? <laughs> What did they do to your knee? Did you have a clean-out or a new knee or what? Yeah, did the meniscus. Uh, so they did an arth- arthroscopy, yeah. and um, that was on Wednesday. And uh, so I've got a shopping trolley to support my weight here while I'm standing at the phone box uh, <laughs> making an effort to, to do the right thing to, to have a chat with you. Oh, well, good on free, you, Danny. mate. Yeah. free. I didn't even have to pay for it. How's that? Good on you. Danny, we'll see you, <laughs> we'll, we'll see you in Rochester in your T-shirt, and if people want to buy a T-shirt for flood reliefing, We'll I'm sure we'll they will, Macca, and I'll get one for my son while I'm up there. He's very envious of it. <laughs> Good on you, Danny. Good on you, Macca. See Keep you. well. All the best.
This is the All Over News. News from all over this morning. This from Megan Gilmore. She says, Ian, we're on an island here on our property on the New South Wales side of Barmer with our road access totally cut. Yesterday I had to, this is last week, of course, last Sunday, I had to attend a funeral in Shep. So my husband took me by barge upstream to our neighbour's property where we have our vehicles parked. From there I was able to drive up and over the sand hills to get to Barma and on to Shepparton, taking the long way round via Pakola and Wangu. After the funeral I took the opportunity to do some food shopping and headed home again. On unloading my goods at 7pm I called my husband to come upstream to collect me on the barge. He sent the couple who worked with us to pick me up. I heard them coming and so they almost got to me and then the barge ran out of fuel. I thought they were pranking me, but no, they were out of fuel. We rang my husband who came up by tinny with fuel and it turns out that the petrol cap was off. Some lowlife had stolen our fuel. Apparently those at home yesterday had seen a couple of tinnies on the river. You notice because there's no river activity at the moment with the high river, logs floating down etc. So they must have siphoned our precious fuel. What a terrible thing to do to someone in these challenging times. What if there'd been a medical emergency and we were trying to get into town and time is of the essence and the barge was out of fuel? It really doesn't bear thinking about. To those who stole our fuel, you know who you are, and I hope you enjoyed your day on the Murray River, compromising the welfare of flood victims, says Megan Gilmore. Good on you, Megan. Great description. Low lives. Water is on everybody's mind. No wonder. This from Reg Maharaj. He's in Castledine in Queensland. Needless to say, Macca, the recent and current devastating floods in creeks and rivers across Australia are causing so much distress to so many people, especially farmers. In a nutshell, it is common sense that a glass jar able to hold two litres of water will hold less water if we partially fill the jar with soil. Over the years, decades and even centuries, our creeks and rivers have been subjected to accumulation of surface soils being washed down into the waterways every time it rains. These waterways over a period of time become shallower and shallower, thus holding less and less water, forcing the excess water to overflow into neighbouring precincts. The silt deposits in creeks and riverbeds are very fertile. There is also a small percentage of chemical fertilisers washed down with the topsoil. Farmers know this very well. Retrieving these millions of tonnes of this fertile silt from waterways is very practical and a sensible way to achieve many benefits. Reg concludes, Macker, I learnt this practical concept when I was only 10 years old while in primary school. We dug a 2 metre by 2 metre by 1.5 metre deep pond across a seasonal creek and collected silt for use in our school vegetable gardens. I grew up on a farm which was surrounded by wide and fast-flowing rivers in Fiji, so I know the plight of farmers and people living close to flood-prone areas. Let's lobby the powers to be, says Reg, and try and use the KISS principle. Reg Maharaj from Castledine. Do you often wonder what's going on in these last three years, not only with the virus, but with the economy and what's happening everywhere? This from Lee Harkness, who's an economist. I went to uni with him, and he says... The COVID lockdowns were a huge shock on the economy. They were constraints that directly affected the real side of the economy, the availability of labour. It constrained people from going to work and caused severe stress on many people and businesses. The government was aware of the effect of its lockdowns on economic activity and tried to offset them by giving people money to spend. The money enabled people to retain their jobs, keep on paying rent and feeding themselves. 
Also, it generated demand for new services and provided new employment opportunities. When the COVID lockdowns were lifted, many people had moved into these new jobs and were no longer available to return to their old jobs. That contributed to the shortage of labour. We'll have to wait and see how many of the new businesses continue to succeed and how many of the old businesses can recover. Also, during the lockdown, many people developed new ways of doing their work, including working from home. Some businesses moved to cheaper premises. Many of the new ways of working will be retained. They will continue to affect many businesses, including transport, offices, malls, shops, cafes and restaurants. The government grants distributed during the lockdown appear to have been funded by printing new money. When we spend the money we earn, that money is derived by supplying products to the economy. When we spend it, we are buying products worth the equivalent of what we've produced. That money cannot cause us to buy more than we've produced, nor can it cause shortages of products and labour. Therefore, another way of explaining the shortage of labour is that it was caused or exacerbated by the rise in demand brought about by the creation of new money. Interest rates were already low before COVID. During the lockdown, they were lowered further to increase economic activity. Lower interest rates stimulate the economy when they increase the amount of new bank lending by more than they increase the amount of loan repayments. The low interest rates were already raising housing prices before lockdowns. They continued to do so after the initial lockdown. Inflation can be caused by higher import prices. It's mainly caused when the rate of growth of the money supply is higher than the rate of growth of the real economy. Adding money to the economy dilutes the value of money in the same way that adding water to a soup dilutes the soup. It was the new money created to finance government handouts and from bank lending that contributed most to the inflation that we are currently experiencing. The higher interest rates that the RBA is now applying is intended to lower the rate of growth of money in the economy. Our problem is that we do not have an acceptable way of slowing excessive growth of the money supply without also slowing down the growth of the economy. That problem existed before COVID. It is possible to slow down the excessive monetary growth without slowing the economy by restricting the growth of bank lending and allowing the economy to earn additional money from exports. While doing that would have been acceptable in the past, it is no longer considered to be orthodox economic policy. Lee Harkness. This from Jeff Stein, and it was written before I went down to Canberra the other day to meet with politicians. Ian, it would be good if you could raise the issue of bank closures across Australia with politicians that you meet. Another issue to raise with the politicians is to have a central point to find out about all the road closures. In New South Wales, the politicians and bureaucrats direct you to check out the live traffic website, but the live traffic website only contains state government roads and not local roads. I've attached a list of some of the local road closures in some of the local government areas. Wagga, Junee, Tamora, Bland, Hilltops, Cowra, Forbes. As the phone call from the listener this morning mentioned, to navigate all the road closures adds a considerable amount of time to your journey. And in driving family members to medical appointments recently, I've had to drive on dangerous roads due to potholes and have had to replace two cracked windscreens. Also, with the amount of rain we've had, I've come across trees that have fallen across and blocking roads. I haven't included my phone number to you as the mobile phone reception is extremely poor and that's another issue that you could raise with the politicians. And an example of this was when I came across a large tree across the road and I couldn't report it as I didn't have mobile phone coverage. I called into the local police station to report it but there were no police on duty and when I went to use the out-of-hours contact button, it didn't work. 
Well, I did talk to politicians, but it really wasn't about those sort of issues, and I don't think they were in the mood for that. The politicians seemed to be very interested in talking to the bananas in pyjamas and having selfies with them, and also with Bluey the dog, who turned up as well. And I'm sure you'd find said pictures on various Facebook sites around the place. Thank you, Jeff Stein. And speaking of weather, which we often seem to be doing lately, Judy says, unfortunately, Ian, both the Ballarat swap meet this weekend and Spring Fest on Lake, that's on the last week in November, have been cancelled due to flooding. Speaking of things cancelled and things not being cancelled, the 160th Kyneton Show is on next Friday and Saturday running since 1858 and the first show in three years because of COVID restrictions. The only other time the show has not run in its 160 years is when the military occupied the showgrounds during World War II. Kyneton Show is one of the few shows in central northern Victoria going ahead after a slew of cancellations because of the impact of ongoing floods, including Bendigo, Castlemaine, Lansfield and others because of lack of volunteers, for example, Kilmore. Bernadette, who sent the email, says Kyneton Show is growing, attracting city people. We're now north of Melbourne, as well as tree changes and generational locals. This is the All Over News, and all thoughts, I suppose, are turning to whether people will get their crop off. Terry's in Chinchilla. Good morning, Terry. Good morning, Mark. Terry Ryan, speaking of Chinchilla. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. What's, uh, what's happening with you? Well, mate, the harvest is just starting to rev up properly. Everybody got going about Tuesday, Wednesday, but under damp conditions. Uh, Thursday, from Thursday onwards, they got going and going proper hard now from Friday onwards. Road trains, headers, lights in the paddock. Uh, yeah, they can keep going here till probably about 10 or 11 o'clock before the moisture annoys them. So oh. it's all good, actually. I'm just lined up at uh, Warra Depot. I got here at 6 o'clock. There's about four road trains ahead of us. Uh, mate, they don't start work here till up our seven, up our seven till five. But anyhow, we're getting it off and we can get it in and get rid of it. That's the best part. And is this a bit late for for a harvested chinchilla? Because it's been cold, hasn't it? Yeah, my word. We we should have been finished probably a month ago. Uh, we'd be at least a month later. But in saying that, we uh, it's been wet, but we've been very fortunate to be able to grow a crop. Mark, at that time I've been farming, it'll be the first time ever We've been able to line up with uh, quality, quantity, and price all in the one hit. So it's pretty good. <laughs> I'll say, but I'm not sure it's the same for for everybody. The further south you go, the you know, you know, you've seen the seen the pictures, mate. Water everywhere. Oh yeah, my word! Like I feel for those sort of people down there, and they're probably going to get wet down there again. But uh, mate, it's all go here. Cotton planters, cotton planters are planting. Uh, sorghum planters are going. And evidently, everybody's got enough staff to run it up here. I'll tell you what, any of those fellas that haven't got a job and worrying about rents and fuel prices and no house and a bit of mental health and all that, if they come out here and get going at this, mate, God, they'd enjoy it. Uh, I'll say, Terry, tell me your story. What do you, what do you, you got a place or you're a harvester or what? Yeah, no, Macker, I've got a, I've got a place here. I grow wheat. Uh, I'm a stock agent, been a stock agent for a long, long time. We grow wheat, run a few cattle, ride a few horses in our spare time and um, live a pretty good lifestyle here, actually. Yeah. Earning enough to get a living and go from point A to B, so you can't be any any worse off than that. And how are the river rats going, Terry? Yeah, they're still going, yeah. Not as strong as they were. You don't hear a lot about them there now, but, yeah, they're still playing. Um, Condivine seems to be the hub of that uh, football down there. They've got a good setup down there, Condivine, and uh, the Cod Bowl, they call yeah. So it's pretty strong down there. But rugby league's still pretty strong here at Chinchilla. 
Yeah, and you reckon that the harvest's looking good and the quality's looking good and the price is looking good? Yeah, my word, my word. Like it's the first time ever I've seen it, seen that line up. There's usually I, there seems to be a few people out here looking for jobs. They've all got jobs. Like I know where we are at home there. I've got a bloke driving a header. Uh, his girlfriend drives a chaser bin. Uh, another bloke, he works two jobs in, in the one day and night. He comes and gives us a hand. So just marvellous, like if everybody chips in how good it is. And you know, the best part is while you're waiting here at the depot to get unloaded, everybody congregates and <clears throat> has a bit of a yarn and all wanting to know how they're going and how's that truck? Is that truck any good or that header? What sort of header you got? Yeah. You know, she's pretty good bloody... Uh, Get rid of a bit of stress and pressure off. Oh, it's the best, tea. mate! And somebody brings out their thermos and there's a cup of tea or a coffee or something in their thermos. It's just, uh, it's the best, isn't it? When people get oh, together, it is, you know, yeah. like none of this pulling up and getting a hamburger. Everybody's got their own dinner box, corned meat sandwich, and a biscuit and banana or something like. You know, half these people that How don't come out and kids. see what's going on, they don't know what they're missing. <laughs> we should all be out there with you, Tess. I'll tell you what, I was at a place the other day you'd certainly enjoy. I was down at Monangle at the Trots. Oh, oh hell wow. It was a great night out. Yeah. When was that last last uh, Saturday night? What, the week no, before? No, I was down there about uh, six weeks ago. All right. Yep. Yeah, they had the big final of the of the two-year-olds, all the horses that uh, I worked for Nutrient Equine, and uh, all the horses that, that we sold last year in Sydney and Melbourne, those horses were broken in, and they come up then for a t- two-year-old final, virtually the same as uh, the Magic Million at the Gold Coast. Yeah, they're nice people too with the trotting people. I always like to go oh, there. Oh, great. Yeah, great people. Boy, hell, it's a great setup there. You've been there? Yeah, I have. Once or twice. I went there uh, last year and um, no, I had a great time. Had a great time. Oh, it's always nice. They're, they're nice people. Horse people are good. They, you can talk to them and they're, you know, yeah. down to earth. And oh, the preparation of horses down there in that south, those uh, standard bred horses, is absolutely excellent. We're going to run a sale in Brisbane at the Magic Millions in March this year for the standard bred yearlings. So that's a first for Queensland down there. Yeah, I just had a call from a bloke who just said it's going to rain till next February. I mean, I, I, God help me. Dear O.D. He said, I hope at, he's had a big night out on the drink and not, not knowing what he's talking about. I hope so, yeah. But um, anyway, he said, look at the moon. The big You've seen the big moon. It's been huge. But yeah, yeah. he said uh, Indigenous yeah, Aboriginal people can look at the moon and they can tell you if it's going to rain. But he's, he reckons it's going to rain till February, so God... Get your rollies yeah, out. Anyhow, as long as we can get another two or three weeks here, can come in, we'll get a shower and we'll be right again. Terry, I'll see you in Chinchilla. I'd love to be there. Good on you, mate. Say Thanks, Macca. Thanks for your time. It's a pleasure, mate. Hi, Macca. Um, it's Jamie Manns from Cobar here. Yep. How are I you? tried to call you last week because I'd bogged the loader. Um, yeah, but I ran out of time. Um, yeah, I just want to say... Um, I'm in your bloody book, um, the one you did in 2010. All um, right. Yeah. So you've been you've, you've been harvesting, have you, Jamie? And oh yeah, yeah. It's been lots of bogs, lots of bogs. This week we got bogged about five times. So mm. um, yeah, and it's not fun getting the header out of a um, no. out of a bog. But we've got about a hundred ton of oats off. So well, yeah, having that... a few breaks now. So you've had a fair bit of rain out there. Oh yeah, yeah, unseasonable. Like, and the grass is so high; it's like up to your chest, kind of thing, and mm. it's amazing. Yeah, that's what everybody says. Well, uh, Ter- I don't know if you heard Terry before at Chinchilla, but he's pretty happy there. <laughs> they get they're full speed ahead, but they're a, a, like a, a month a month late because of the cold weather and stuff. So they're they should be finished by now. He said, but uh, anyway, it's going ahead there. So what's what's it like around Cobo Way? 
Oh, it's wet and it's bizarre. You'll get bogged on the top of a ridge, like, yeah. Um, touch and go, like you got to just have a few weeks off if it rains sort of thing. And if it does get a bit moist, then all the header clogs up and you've got to climb in there and pull out all the straw and, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. That's what uh, that's what happens. But this is unusual. It's an, uh, uh, an amazing time these last six months with weather and stuff and you can see what's happening oh, down yeah. south too. And all the sheep, the poor buggers getting fly blown that usually don't. Like my cousin the other day, her husband fl- flew over to Tilper on a chopper to help out the um, farmers out there that all their sheep are fly blown. And yeah. So, Jamie, no bog- what are you doing this morning? Uh, day off today because of the rain. Mm. <laughs> so, I'm just enjoying the sunshine before the storm comes in. So That's right, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's going to be later today, I think, in New South Wales, but they're getting rain down in Victoria too. And I don't know when's it going to stop. As I told you, the bloke said, you know, it'll probably going to rain till February. So that's not really something to look forward to. If we've had enough. Yeah. Well, I'm getting very good at getting myself out of bogs, and <laughs> um, we had the grader bog the other day, yeah. and then we grabbed the loader to pull the grader out and bogged the loader. So then we had to go get the big tractor to pull them both out. <laughs> <laughs> well, it keeps you busy, Jamie, eh? Oh, indeed. All right. Well, nice to talk to you, Jamie. And uh, yeah, yeah, can I just um, do a little shout out to Reg Pretty in Cambelligo? He's your greatest fan. Reg, is it? Where, yeah, Reg. Where, where's that? Um, Cambelligo is not too far from Cobar. Yeah. Just a little siding, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Jamie, good on you. Nice to talk to you. Thank you. Yeah, nice to talk to you too, mate. See you. you have a good day. Yeah, you too. I have a letter here from Jean Douglas. Jean's done a lot of things. She's a master of medicine. She's a retired GP. She lives all over. She's in Ballarat now. She previously lived in Brisbane, Port Moresby, Bendigo and Melbourne. And we were talking about the Stinson crash and Bernard O'Reilly some months ago. And Jean writes, I did write this earlier and I was touched by Bernard's comments about his brother Norbert O'Reilly in view of Remembrance Day. I thought it would be worthwhile sharing his comments. Unfortunately, says Jean, Anzac Day now takes the place of Remembrance Day in the community. I suppose you can say Anzac Day has become a celebration day where Remembrance Day is a bit more sombre. But this is Jean's letter. And Jean says, I was listening to your comments some months ago about the book Green Mountain by Bernard O'Reilly, recalling his life and his involvement with the Stinson air crash. I searched my library for my copy of the book and, alas, I found four books by Bernard, a 1940 copy belonging to my late father, which Bernard had autographed. There were two other copies of Green Mountain and Bernard's other books, Cullen Ben Bong and Wild River. I rapidly reread Green Mountains for the, I can't recall how many times, and it's been many years since I picked up this little book. I did meet Bernard a few times, says Jean, when I was a child. Our family had connections with the family and we stayed often in the old Green Mountains guest house. My uncle, Colin Harmon, was a self-educated botanist, a bootmaker and a professional gardener. After returning from World War II, he trained as a bootmaker, but this was not his passion. His love of nature was paramount in his life, and he was able to get a job with the Queensland government as a gardener. His gardens at the Immigration Centre under the Story Bridge at Kangaroo Point were magnificent. So were the gardens at the old Supreme Court in George Street, Brisbane. After retirement, he enjoyed the bush and forests of the Green Mountains. 
He walked many times through the area, suffered often from never-ending leeches, always had a handy cigarette lighter, and rescued many orchids and tree ferns from felled trees and established a beautiful garden in the bush, which is still there today and named in his memory. He was awarded an OAM for service to the preservation of native orchids and ferns to the Green Mountains Botanic Gardens in 1994. The history of the Stinson crash was often a topic of discussion in my childhood and Bernard's legacy was virtually legend. I recall my childhood walks in the Green Mountains bush, a glimpse of the wallaby in the bush or a snake slithering across the path, the bush turkey building his tower and the loud and soft cries of birds high in the trees. Truly nature at its best, combined in an environment of man and nature living together. Further reading of his book described a most poignant moment not about the Stinson crash, but Bernard's recall of his brother Norbert going to the Great War. Norbert was a strong, willing and hard-working young man who enlisted with the AIF and went to France. The following recalls Bernard's Norbert. Norb looked taller than his six feet two in his manly uniform and digger hat. Just to be his younger brother made me the biggest man in the world. Not once did I doubt that he would come home with a VC. Mother's goodbye to a big son is still my greatest argument against war. Dad stood by, saying little, thinking much. For within nine months, Norb was resting from the brutality of war under a small cross near Menon Road. Towards the end of the book, Bernard recalls, One Sunday we went for a walk out to Norb's Humpy. It was a sad excursion. The dust of the pin borers was deep in the floor and table. Under the bunk were his axe and brush hook, where he laid them aside when his country called. Out in the circular clearing with its beetling walls of rainforest was an orchard which he had planted with high hopes and some of the trees were already bearing fruit. He had brought those trees twenty miles by pack horse. By the door an old-fashioned rose bush was blooming. It's still blooming, though more than twenty-five years have gone since it was planted by him. Bernard's writing may never have won a literary prize but all his books are such a pleasure to read. He tells his stories with warmth and compassion in a style of Australia. And as a PS note, Jean says, the fern Asplenium harmanii is the species discovered by Colin Harmon of O'Reilly's Guesthouse and is named in his honour. Mr Harmon has many other notable botanical finds to his credit and has been of considerable assistance to my botanical research, says D.L. Jones in the book New Fern Species from Northern Australia. And that little missive there, wonderful stuff, is from Jean Douglas. Ericsson 2J, or as Tony Fountain used to say, 2 2J, Eric, good morning. How are you, Ian? Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, no, just sitting here having a cup of tea in the back veranda just before I go down and catch a horse to bring some sale cattle in this after, for this afternoon's transport. But uh, I just thought I'd share a little little story about a phone box incident, or not incident, but a um, little phone box, um, yeah, incident, yeah, a few months ago there. I um, I was carting, I cart fuel too as well, and I was coming back from Ravensthorpe Way, and I saw I'd had an email on my on my phone from work, and anyway, I you know, I'll pull up in the next town. It it was Lake King actually, and uh, read the email will blow me down. Their mobile service was out. Oh, oh god, I can't can't get this email. So oh, there's a phone box. So I just rang work and got my next directions and instructions and. Away we went. Well, that's why I think, Eric, that they've left, you know, there was a time when they were 
closing phone boxes. They used to be called public phones, and then they were called pay phones, and then they sort of started to disappear. But now they're they're back, and I think the reason is that there's so many places in Australia that just don't have coverage, and mm. and they usually work. There doesn't seem to be as much vandalism of public phones as there used to be, so that's a good thing. It is, yeah, and and the more I travel around, you know, <clears throat> with you highlighting them, the more you you start looking for them around. There's quite a few of them around, and um, occasionally I've stopped and picked a few up, and the dial tone comes through, and um, yeah, yeah, so they're still out and about. Yeah, yeah. Well, well and truly, and and places that you wouldn't think there'd be people. No, there's a phone box around, and I'm waiting for a cup of coffee or something. I go into the phone box and ring someone, <laughs> just uh, <laughs> just just for something different. I think it's good fun because I like talking to people, as you, as you know, that's, Eric. That's uh, I'll talk to anyone like. almost, but um, yeah, I, I think a, a phone box. It's uh, it's I don't know. It's reassuring to see there's a phone box there, and you know, to think you mm. can rely on. You know, technology all the time. Um, I know phone boxes are technology, but they seem to be old technology that still works unless somebody interferes with the phone box. Mm. Yeah, very true, very true. All right. So, and times are good around too, Jay. Yes, they are, Maga. Yeah, it has been. It hasn't warmed up yet. It's um, well, even today, it's low twenties today, and there's a breeze south from the south there that's relatively cold, and the harvest hasn't really cranked up. Mm. Um, in the district, the the canola's off and the hay's uh, the hay's gone. But um, yeah, for this time of the year, it hasn't warmed up, which is good in some respects. But mm. even later next week, I believe that there's um, high teens maximums, and um, even even in October, we still had the fire on all by about three nights. Yeah, well, I think uh, listening to people variously, that uh, the harvest is is at least two to three maybe four weeks late all around the place in Australia. Like they're, mm. they're harvesting in Chinchilla, which should have happened a month ago, he said. Uh, that's in Queensland. So, yeah, it's yeah. been been unseasonal. Well, not unseasonally. I mean, spring's always, you know, uh, all over the place, isn't it? So, but it's been, yeah, well, it, yeah continually yeah. colder as than far as, normal. As far as my pasture goes, you know, like the, the you know, the, the cooler it stays in November running into December, it you know, it, it'll... Yeah, it won't dehydrate everything and um, dry everything out, so to speak. So it does hang on as long as it goes. But by God, once summer comes here, it um, you it, know about it. It turns up, yeah. Good on you, Eric. Nice to talk to you. Right on, mate. Look over yourself. Good on you. Bye. Kate's in Winchelsea. Good morning, Kate. Good, good morning, Macca. How are you this morning? Yeah, good. Thank you. Fantastic, Macca. Um, it's not raining here this morning, which I'm very grateful for. Um. I work for Hesse Rural Health, which is our local hospital, and we have some open gardens today, and we've all been praying that the rain holds off because it's been very wet anyway. Um, and it, they've got fantastic gardens open, but one of them is a, a very heritage property called Murder Duke. And um, there's Murder Duke and Nawee, Kittering, Coombe Cottage and Coluna, and they're all different um, places in Winchelsea itself. And we're trying to raise money for a new bus for our hospital. And so this is today's um, effort to try and to do that. Well, I hope the weather holds off, but it looks pretty miserable, Kate. But um, oh, um, And those gardens are in Winchelsea, is that right? Yes, they are, mm. yes. Okay, well, um, hopefully. What's, it, what's the weather look like? 
It's it's overcast, but it's actually quite pleasant. There's no wind, and that's good. There's no rain, mm. and hopefully it'll hold off for the whole day. But wind shall see. We've had our local Barwon River flood recently, but mm. it's gone down again. Um, but it's very wet underfoot. So if anyone's going to come, they need to bring their gum boots. Yeah, you know, I was reading a. What's the name of the book? We uh, we just got a book the other day about gardens, about planting gardens, and. And I've got a little bit of land. When I say a little bit of land, it's only a quarter acre block, sort of, not even a quarter acre. But, but I'm going to. I hope my plan is to do it as a garden, and to when you see some of the gardens, and I'm not. There's big gardens, and there's lovely acres and acres of stuff. But I think a lovely garden with little crannies and nooks and little pathways and little ponds and lovely trees, and especially natives, I think it's much more important, you know, than a big swanky house. I think, yes, it I sure think, is. You I can think, do so much with a small garden. Oh, and they're just—they're a great place to be. You're out in the garden, Kate, and and you give all the lovely Australian mint bushes, which are just delightful. Um, oh, they are. And down in the Otways, they're just starting to come out and flower. The um, oh, my brain's not going to work today. Prostantra. Yeah, um, yeah. Something or other, but yeah, but they oh, there are so many beautiful native flowers. And you can and, and you can hide in them too. You know, if you've got trees and stuff, you can have a little cranny. And, and I'm going to build some little places, maybe a little shed in the middle. With, uh, and and it's the smell and the sound of your garden. You can have water running, and you can go to various plants. You know, that's when you don't have this damn rain for months and months and months. But normal Australian days, where you get a lovely sunny afternoon, and you can wander around your garden and. And you can have little midgem berries growing, and I've got they're they're like a they're almost like aniseed, but they're lovely little okay. native berries. And I've got one growing, and you can have them with ice cream, and they're just delicious. They're just oh, they be- so the garden is an endless nature is an endlessly exciting, different, um, new. You know, round the corner, and you smell a mint bush, and it's just it takes you away, transports you. It's a bit like going into a shearing shed and smelling the lanolin, you think, and or smelling a, an orange tree, and it takes you back to a grove of mandarins of years ago. It's yeah. a fabulous place. So I'd recommend your gardens there in Winchelsea, Kate. So if people want to go there and help you raise money, that'd be great. Uh, it will be great, and I really appreciate it. And I hope you get your garden done and have a little frog pond. Yes. But you need to remember to plant some prickly things in there so that the wrens can um, no. have nesting places. No chance for wrens in the Sydney suburbs where I live, mate. They're all gone. They, we used to have them. We used to have spinebills and silver eyes. They're all gone. We're being infilled. So my little place will be is surrounded by places that are being infilled and everybody paves their areas because nobody's got any time, really. I mean, that's the other thing about the life we live. Time, people who have got time to do things are really the rich people. Well, I look forward to seeing, hearing about your garden when you get it growing and I bet you any money you like, you'll end up with wrens and spawnbills back in your garden. Well, that's a little bit of positivity, Kate. Good on you. And I hope the garden thing goes great today in Winchelsea. Good on you. Thank you, Macca. Have a great day. See ya. G'day, this is Macca. G'day, mate. This is Gonzo here from Kalani, WA. How are you going, Gonzo? Not too bad. I just thought I'd give you a call. I've been coming over here. I'm a Kiwi, but I've been coming over here for 40 years, and uh, this is probably the best harvest we've ever had, and I've probably been listening to you for 40 years. Well, nearly. Nearly, I'd say, yeah. <laughs> nearly. So, Gonzo, yeah. how'd you get the name Gonzo? Gonzo? 
Oh, it's a long story. But when I first came, my boss now that's, I don't know, whatever he is, he's 44 or something. He was two or three. And we had two Grahams. That's my name, Graham. We had two Grahams. And they said, well, you've got to call something, something, the other one, you know, somebody something. So he liked the Muppets. So I got, I was trying to think of something that started with G. And he piped up and said, Gonzo, and it's bloody stuck. There you go. So yeah. this is this is the best harvest you reckon? Where are you, Del Wallenu, Did you say? Right. Well, no, in from Del Wallenu, Kalani, Kalani, north of north of, of Kalani, we are uh-huh. woodlands out there, just the area. And it's a, and they're going to be a good, good harvest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out here, it's probably uh, getting on for double the historical average. Wow, it's amazing! It's amazing. Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. That's good. We'll need that because some some won't have much of a harvest at all. But um, but some are getting it off. So you know we're getting good reports and stuff like that. And it's it's really about our country, Australia, and you know making sure that um the food and the people who produce our food and which goes into f- making food and exports. And if we don't have exports, we we don't have any money, and it'll all go to hell in a handbasket if we don't have exports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're just heading out to harvest a couple of um service a couple of um, green machines and, yeah, carry on. Carry on. So, so you come, you live here now or you come over for the harvest? Uh, no, I've got a farm in New Zealand. I just come over here as a young fella and did eight years and went home and just kept coming back. I just come back each year. What's it like? What's like uh, life in New Zealand like, Gonzo? Oh, we don't talk politics. No, um, I mean, well, I just mean, <laughs> is it? No, pretty good, pretty good. You got inflation yeah, and stuff like that. You've you've raised your interest rates much more than we did, didn't you? Earlier, earlier you got stuck into it earlier. Yeah, yeah. And the inflation, I don't think, is quite as bad, but it's creeping up. You know, the price of fuel goes up, everything goes up. But I think it's worldwide. Not much you can really do about it. No, there you go. And uh, so it m- must be a nice break for you to come over here. Yeah, well, I like Kalani. Like I said, I've been coming here for forty years. I know everybody. I don't think anyone in town knows my proper name, but. I, don't, I, quite, I quite like that too. Gon- <laughs> Fly under the radar a bit. Yeah, exactly. Gonzo. Gonzo. Yeah. What was the what was Hunter S. Thompson? Was he called a Gonzo journalist or something, wasn't he? Um, in, yeah, I think so. I, anyway, I, yeah, I, I think so. I, never, I read those uh, those books years ago. Um, Hunter S. Thompson. Remember him? He's the Gonzo journalist or something. He was travelling around in the, in the big Chev and he had the tyres pressure pumped up to 80 pounds and he just bounced around the corners. <laughs> It was fun, 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 fun. All right, Gonzo, good on you, mate. Thanks for the report. Yep, yep. keep up the good work. All right, mate. Catch you next year. Yeah, <laughs> I'll see you sometime, maybe in the West. You only come over this time, do you, and that's it? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. I'm uh, nearly done. I'm nearly done. 40 years, I'm nearly done. <laughs> and is it <laughs> is it worthwhile money-wise to come over? I suppose it is. Oh, I don't really worry about the money too much. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they yeah, they pay you tickets, so... Doesn't cost you anything, really. Good on you, Gonzo. Hard, hard, to, hard to get workers over here, I tell you. Yeah, good well, workers. yeah, exactly. Well, hard to get good workers anywhere, mate. Yeah, yeah. Always been the same. Good on you, Gonzo. Yeah. Right, cheers. See you, mate. Bye. It's Jason Kelly on the line. Good morning, Jason. G'day. Good morning. How are you going, Ian? I'm good, mate. Jason's in uh, in Queensland, Kel. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and he'll tell you the story. You're doing. You're up there doing what, Jason? Playing in the uh, Australian and New, Ze- and New Zealand Police Cricket Championships. Wow. Where are they on? Being, being held at Mudra Bar Narang District Cricket Club. Uh-huh. 
the first game starts today, or the tournament starts today. Have you, uh, you got weather for it? Good weather, or? Yeah, the weather at the moment, thankfully, is not too hot. Uh, it's uh, the sun's out, a little bit of cloud around. It's a, a balmy 20, 22, 23 degrees at the moment. Looking now, forward to a big day. Now, Australian cricket is in the doldrums, Jace. And now you better. So there's a, a Australian police teams what from every state plus a New Zealand yes. uh, a New Zealand team. Yes, so it's New South Wales, Queensland, Victoria, South Australia, Western Australia, the AFP, Tasmania are, are playing for the first time. Wow. Uh, and also New Zealand. There you so go. Now, Jace, I don't like to, you know, air this in public, but you're you're a bit of a ring in because you used to work for the police, but now you've you've moved on or up or down, or I don't know what, or sideways. You work now in 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 uh, corrective services. Corrective services. So, but I suppose you you're linked to the police really in some ways, aren't you? Uh yes. This is uh, my first. My, I did spend almost twenty three years with the New South Wales Police, uh, and now. Yeah, have moved on to corrective services, but once you're uh, part of the, the New South Wales or the police family, um, yeah, you're there forever. So yeah, you sound like you, this sounds like a line from Blue Bloods. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now listen, Jace, um, how's how's your form, mate? You know, you um, you haven't played look, for fifteen years. No, have you? Uh, it's been yeah, some time. The last uh, tour or the last competition was held in 2018 in Sydney. Uh, and who and who so won that? It was Victoria, uh-huh. believe it or not. So uh, today we our first game. We're, we're playing uh, Western Australia, uh, Queensland. I've got uh, Tasmania. So um, yeah, look, looking forward to a, a big week ahead. Uh, we play uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Have a, a well well earned rest day on Wednesday. Then the finals for Thursday and Friday. I've heard that uh, bloke uh, Williamson is it uh, from New Zealand? Is it going to be a ring in for the New Zealand team? I think they're a sh- uh, I think possibly. They're, I think they're a shoe in, mate. I'm back in uh, New Zealand, possibly. actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Queensland have, have, have come well well prepared. They they brought Luke Felbin, who is a, a former Australia A player, and played for the Queensland Bulls. He's opening the bowling uh, for for Queensland today against Tasmania in their first their, their first wow. trip. So. Um, yeah, I think they'll be found out fairly quickly as to how serious this game's actually played. Yeah, well, that's good. Good luck. It's great to see everybody getting together, and I know uh, it's a it's a great relief, and the police especially. And, and don't forget, corrective services have had a, a tough time in the last two years with all all the things, so they deserve a bit of a break. So, uh, yeah, definitely. And we heard an interesting uh, stat last night that he, the local mayor came in and did a, a presentation at uh, the cricket club. And he advised that Gold Coast is number 27 on the global, uh, across the world, as a sporting destination and uh, with sports played, uh, yeah, here regularly. The Pan Pack Games have just re- uh, finished up, so we, we saw a, quite a few people out and about last night in the Masters in the uh, Pan Pack. So there's, there's, yeah, a lot of people around playing lots of sport. Yeah, well, it all happens on the Gold Coast. It's good good, uh, good fun. Good to see people getting out together. And, uh, Jase, good luck, mate. I hope you, um, hope you get some uh, runs. But um... Thank you. Yeah, no pressure, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> good on you, Jase. Good luck. Good luck to everybody. Have a great day. See you, you, mate. See Bye. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. 
Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.